Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time for Mortgage Matters. Ah, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Oh, I looked at the clock, said 7.20, and I thought, oh, we blew it big time, but that's the date. It's 10.05. I guarantee you we're off to a better start today because Danielson has all of his articles today. I am so prepared, but I forgot my coffee from my regular coffee Yeah, joint. that's what I was going to say. You seem still a little disheveled, though, as you... Dan's a man of ritual and routine. <laughs> this is a this is a known fact for all who know him. Uh, you blew right by the usual coffee joint. I did, yeah. I don't uh, even know. I I think it threw me because as I get in the car, I tuned it, tune into KVC and Jeff Bradley's show is re- repeating. So I I just started thinking about that and why was he repeating was this really the same show i started really wondering if if it was a repeat or a live show or maybe he brought the same guest back on and so i think in that thought process i just blew right by the coffee exit i wondered if you were like thinking um that i predicted that the angels would sweep the a's in oakland and anaheim and um so far i'm right yeah one (laughs) that's it you're off to a good start yeah Hey, you had to get the first one That's for it to right. be true. That's right. You we know, have coffee over in the green room if you want some coffee real quick. Oh, no, he found I, one. I went over. actually just down the street. The oh, see, that is not so bad. Coastal Peak Roasters, I think. It was. <laughs> yeah, they're they're right there. Okay. Right around the I, corner. I just didn't see it behind the mic over there. Right. Oh, yeah. It's right. a little shorter oh. cup. <laughs> um. I had coffee events this morning as well, as long as we're on the topic. <laughs> what happened to you? Well, I had to send uh, the boy over to... Uh, the boy. Yeah. My, now, you have two. Right. I had to send Trey. He's Trey's the one that'll like... He was on the couch in his underwear watching cartoons, and I had to send him to uh, fetch some milk from uh, my brother-in-law that lives right around the corner. <laughs> And so he, he he got dressed and went over and got me milk. Tucker would be like, I don't want to. Uh, but anyway, um, we're trying to, we've all, we, for about five weeks, I think, uh, we've been kicking dairy at the house. At least Mel and I have. So I've been trying to put Almond Breeze in my coffee. You guys ever played this game? Mm-mm. Almond Breeze. I don't even oh. know what that is. Wow. Uh, it's like a... It, it's a milk alternative, I think, or at least they want you to believe it is. Almond milk. It doesn't go well with my coffee. I'm sure some people like it. Um, I feel like it does a chemical reaction that is one step from, like, suntan lotion and paint thinner or one, something. One step less than milk. Yeah. So <laughs> today I have milk. Milk goes well in coffee. I just want you to know that. <laughs> half and half's better. Uh, changes the flavor. To delicious. <laughs> there you go. That's okay. nice. All right. Well, we got caught up on the coffee. We know that the Angels are better than the A's, at least yesterday. At least yesterday. At least yesterday. Yeah. 
And um, gosh, all right. Well, last week when we were leaving, <laughs> show's over. Yeah, yeah we're done. <laughs> yeah, last week when we were leaving the show, you you tried to pin me down for a prediction as to what what was going to happen in the interest rate market, and uh, I oh, said, "Man, all your prognostications are coming <laughs> true." Huh? I, I I wasn't drawing that parallel, but <laughs> you know, I'm generally right. Ask my wife; she'll <laughs> right. she'll tell you. Um, but rates have improved a little bit this week. The market, um, the, the bond market's kind of been doing, uh, okay. Been doing kind of what it's supposed to do. And the stock market is, wow. Um, I don't remember if it was on the air or not, but, uh, we were talking about somebody predicted that the Dow would be at, um, 17, was it 17,000 yeah. at the end of the year? And, and when I first heard that, I just kind of laughed. And then this week I'm like, uh, it's like, it's pressing along. It's, it's, it's possible. It feels like it could be possible just based on the trend. And I'm not positive that I, that I believe it should be 17,000, but I think it, it might be. You know, as I was reading through, the week, the week's articles and, and data points and things. I, about halfway through my reading, I, I paused and I thought to myself, you know, this recovery is real. This is real. I've been kind of down on it. I've been a doubter for the last several weeks as rates have risen. I thought that would really, um, slow things down on what was already kind of a, a tepid recovery and, and, th- and I started to become a believer about halfway through my reading, and then I hit some other numbers, and I was like, "No, I, I don't believe it anymore." You're it's, a flip flopper. I was today a little bit. I just there's a lot of weakness um, when you start looking around, and we'll get into it. I know here as the show goes on, but I I just think that the consumer's still pretty fragile right now, and and. Whether it's good or bad, um, it's a big part of our economic activity. And, and the consumer, I think, you know, they're looking kind of strong last year. You know, you're in this time where there's the the back to school. I, I know school just got out, but the the statistics are starting to focus on the back to school spending and stuff like that. And we had come off a, a period of time where people were really – hoarding money and just trying to get their financial house in order. And so they were overdue for buying things. And so last year we saw kind of a spike, but this year it looks like things are going to moderate a little bit um, and, and come back down. So I just, I, I wonder if, if these higher rates and, you know, the fed pulling back is, I, I, I think the stocks are going to end lower by the end of the year. I was, uh, had to go down to AG to drop off some paperwork, and I wanted to get um, my boys a angel shirt, right? So I thought, oh, I'll go check out a couple of the shops while I'm there. I went into Walmart, and this was like a middle of the day kind of thing. That place is packed. There are people in there um, buying 
inexpensive goods, but by the cartload. And I just couldn't believe how many people would be there in like the midday. I mean, it was a madhouse. I pretty much walked in and walked out. And, and granted, I'm not, I'm not in that store very much, but I just couldn't believe how much people were spending. Um, it, it looked crazy to me. And, and I kind of wonder if that's, if that is just the, I, be, I think because I always want rates to be low and I, and I don't, sometimes I think I'm in denial about the, the rate at which things are picking up. Um, but it sounds like you're saying that you kind of feel like there's a little bit of a hangover that people came out, spent their money, kind of got confident and participated for at least their necessary stuff and are now kind of going, pulling back a back little bit. Back to frugality. Yeah. I, I really do think that's it. I mean, people are spending, more money on gas. It's, I mean, it seems like gas prices are just constantly pushing that $4 mark um, and oftentimes going over that. And that's just taking a large amount of people's disposable income right there, just in the cost to travel to these stores to go buy things. Um, where people are choosing to spend their money seems to be more of the discount stores and not not the, the you know, premium places. Um you know, there are some of the, the figures that I saw, expectations for um, for back-to-school spending is about an 8 to 10% pullback from last year. Um, businesses slowed down on their inventory um, accumulation. You know, they, a, lot of, a lot of businesses that sell goods will keep stuff in, in their warehouses, and their spending um, was kind of... Not that exciting. Um, suggested that economic growth has slowed. So I think that all of this is is you know back to that consumer that just doesn't have as much disposable income after you pay for things like the mortgage, the the transportation, which are necessary things um, to to basic life. You know, you need to have shelter, you need to have food on the table, and then after that, there's just not a lot of money left over. And one of the biggest problems is. The employment situation. Not only are there 12 million people looking for jobs, but the people who found jobs haven't found great paying jobs. In well, check this out. I have an idea for you. Okay. Housing is your biggest investment, right? I mean, don't we talk about that all the time? Uh, people want to buy a house. It's kind of a forced savings. It's it's more or less, for I think for most people, it's kind of your ticket to retirement. Once you get the house taken care of, hopefully... You've had the retirement that will help pay you off, right? We just went through a season of, um, I don't know how many years. Let's call it seven years. And and I think by Disney's standard, that's a whole generation. Um, but people went from this mindset of looking at real estate as like this cash cow and crazy exotic loans where they probably weren't even making the minimum payment. If anything, they were doing interest only a lot of people doing negatively amortizing payments Um, today. And we know this from the numbers more and more people are putting extra money towards the house. They're bringing money in when they refinance to lower their payment um, lower their principal, lower their interest rate. They're on this mission now of paying off your house a bit faster. And as you well know, when you draw up the household budget, if you're putting a little more emphasis on taking care of banging out the house faster, even if that only means making a principal and interest payment now, you have less money to do with other things. So 
to be looking at the economy and the the general consumer as they existed pre-recession, pre-recession isn't exactly a good benchmark because pre-recession, as evidenced by the housing crash, we had people living well beyond their means and not making housing a priority, whereas today the budget is weighted in different ways. And, And I think that that's probably part of it, too, is... We're going to have to learn what what is normal for the economy again as people have had kind of a, a shift in their priority and a shift in, in where they're putting um, the extra money that they do have. It's a I, – I mean, and, and I – of course, I think that that's, that's changed for most people that we know, most people that I know. Um, I don't think it's probably changed for the people that are a little bit older in the demographic, those people that either already had the house paid off or had that plan all along because they were a little bit more sound in their financial strategy. But a lot of young people just thought whatever you can do just to have ownership in a home, then you're going to be rich from having done that. And that proved to be flawed logic. One of the the other statistics that came out with respect to the spending um, side of the equation was the retail retail spending. It rose 0.4% in June, um, but it has those volatile aspects of it, the autos, the gasoline. Um, when you <clears throat> when you back those items out that are kind of sporadic from month to month, you get your core retail sales, and core retail sales were up just 0.15%. Mm. Pretty dismal showing um, for that. And, it, you know, we've we've always known that our middle class is really what makes us a strong consumer economy. It's the middle class that's doing the majority of the spending. You know, you, yeah, you have your wealthy, and those are probably the people who have recovered the best since the housing crash. Uh, are the wealthy and a lot of the numbers the you know recovery of equity and things like that would would suggest that to be the case it's the middle class that's still kind of lagging and you know to that point that i was making earlier about wages wages just aren't keeping up and people who are getting jobs who were previously unemployed aren't getting those amazing um, head of household jobs in fact when you look at wages for the middle class um, median earnings for the middle class have fallen 4% since the recession ended in 2009, um, and that's a, after adjusting for inflation. So people are actually bringing home less money now than they were in 2009, um, and so you're you're just not going to have a strong consumer. And you know what's gone up a lot since 2009? Healthcare. Truly. I mean, without getting into the whole political debate, I've had we made the transition from individual plans over to group plans. And honest, it felt like every single opportunity that the premiums could go up, we saw at least 20 percent increase in premium each time. Yes, which seems like annually. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, things if you're earning only four percent less and your health care has gone up 20 percent several times, uh, you know, cost of fuel, other things, it, it, it'll it weigh on us. And we're going to have to figure out how to to kind of make this all work. Uh, this was an interesting one. I thought you might get a kick out of this. Um, let's see here. The title is Whirlpool Rakes It In. Uh, profits for Whirlpool. This is the world's largest seller of refrigerators and other large appliances. 
rose 75% in the second quarter. And, and this is being touted as a sign that the extended slump in the U.S. appliance market is coming to an end when uh, people are buying more appliances. And I thought to myself, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, real estate's been doing pretty good, uh, including, you know, not only existing home sales, but also some new construction now. Uh, people are doing flips again. I keep seeing this in the media like crazy. There's some investment groups that are buying properties and flipping them and making an average one. I was reading about 14% profit on every project. Um, those guys are buying appliances. I don't think the average consumer is probably out to, to pick up new whirlpool appliances today. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I, I mean, I know we've seen a lot of people who are, feel like they're kind of in their housing situation that they're in and, and it's not going to change. They don't maybe have equity to be able to sell the home and buy something new. So a lot of, a lot of households are focusing on just maybe upgrading what they have. Sure. Um, so that's probably where that's coming in. Um, those are big, big purchases though. And that's not something that's going to sustain these consumer spending numbers. That's part of the stuff that gets excluded um, as a volatile statistic. Yeah. How often do you think that you have to buy a new refrigerator? Uh, used to be uh, once every 20, 30 years. Now it's probably what every seven or 10. I was going to say five to seven. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think my grandma still has one of those ugly, like, um, you know, green, remember that green, I think there's still one of those running out in the carport that's probably, and it probably has like some of those old, like hostess cherry pies in there. My grandma had one that she bought in the forties. And it lasted until she moved out of her house in the nineties. Bulletproof. They're bulletproof. (laughs) It's crazy. I bought a $2,700 refrigerator from um, Best Browse, or that's what I call Best Buy now, because um, I don't like to shop there. I go there and try to educate myself based on a little bit of their product offering, and then I go find another place to actually buy it. So I, this was learned because I made some purchases there that didn't pan out so well. I bought a twenty-six or $2,700 refrigerator there. That lasted for like three years before the compressor went out. And of course it was like two days out of the warranty. And somebody <laughs> came out and fixed it for a few hundred bucks. And then a couple months later something else broke. And then the, uh, thermostat for the freezer broke. And oh my gosh. And I was just like, you know, mm-hmm. this is, I know they're doing this on purpose. I know that they're making this stuff break for us um, rather than letting it run for 30 years because that's just bad business. Yeah. Like the Maytag man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they finally put that guy to work. Huh? Yeah, that guy was <laughs> like, you know, I've got all these skills and all these tools. Why don't you put some electronics in that uh, washing machine and let it break? So they did. Yeah. Love Crazy. that. Yeah. Hey, folks, we are just getting started here on this live episode of Mortgage Matters. Um, It's just Jason and I in here for the full two hours. Not just. I mean, that's a pretty exciting lineup, if you ask me. Yeah, I don't. You shouldn't use the word just. (laughs) Um, So with this exciting lineup, we would still have time and invite your phone calls. um, If you have questions or comments or just want to share a story maybe about some of the topics we're talking about, we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 543-8830, 543-8830, or 800-549-KVEC. 
Dan, yeah. when I was a, a waiter, when a single person walked into the restaurant, you never say, just one for dinner? <laughs> Dining alone? No. Don't even <laughs> reference it. If they are, that's terrible. Not necessarily. For me, it is. I don't like to eat alone. But So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's the two of us. That's a good thing. Guys, we're going to take this first break. We'll be back in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical. Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state. State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You wouldn't hike Mount Everest without a Sherpa, and you shouldn't endure the loan process without one either. At Central Coast Lending, we take the confusion, stress, and anxiety out of your loan transaction. Our experienced team of loan officers will serve as your guides, your experts, your mortgage Sherpas. Let the Central Coast Lending mortgage Sherpas lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Morning, everybody. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's just before 1030. Um, it, this was a weird week for me on account of there wasn't, um, other than the baseball all-star game. I mean, it, it's weird that when there's a baseball break. I, I enjoy baseball season quite a bit. It's like a little something to look forward to most every day. Hey, so... Um, Last week I shared kind of a, a story that uh, I, I won't do it again. Don't worry, Dan. I won't I won't rant at people about their poor banking decisions, but I'm just going to remind everybody that Bank of America decided to um, have all of the appraisals that they do be reviewed in India. Um, it sounds like a god-awful, terrible idea to me as somebody that um, truly believes real estate is local and you ha- you should have some level of knowledge about what it is you're evaluating or doing. 
Um, I tack it on a laundry list of Bank of America policies that I think are laughable and for that reason don't bank there. Um, I saw, so, um, otherwise I've been hearing about some of the banking statistics and some banks are doing pretty good. Um, you mentioned right before the break, and we'll dive into it in just a second here, but there's been some crazy appreciation in Southern California. And in my heart, I just can't help but believe it's it's directly tied to people getting a three and a quarter, 30-year fixed, right? I agree, yeah. From And, and already that's yestermonth. We haven't seen that in a couple months now. I think it's probably gone um, forever, or at least until the next financial crisis where we have major government intervention. Uh, but Wells Fargo announced this week that higher home loan rates are already um, affecting their business. They're laying off 350 workers, um, and that doesn't sound like too terribly much, but just a short six weeks ago, these guys were still staffing up. Oh, how do we meet all this demand? This is so amazing. And they, so really just flipping a switch pretty rapidly, um, they're gonna start canning, uh, their staff and trimming down, believing that, uh, mortgage rates are high enough now that they're not gonna need to be staffed as high as they are. Um, and to give you an idea, Wells Fargo, uh, not quite the devil, I believe Bank of America to be, um, but uh, a close second for sure. Um, uh, maybe it's a coin toss with them and Chase. Anyway, they employ 270,000 workers worldwide. That's a pretty fair amount of folks working for one company. Um, and then additionally in the, in the headlines this week, PNC Bank, you're familiar with PNC? Yep. They're a uh, pretty big, pretty big little banking outfit themselves. Um, they decided that they're going to close 200 branches this year, including um, 78 that they closed in the second quarter. So PNC um, getting ready to to kind of do some clean out too and and try to be ahead of the curve on the the drop in production uh, as compared to the overhead. One of the interesting things about um, PNC I thought was kind of interesting, they they were announcing that they started charging for other things they used to do for free, including checking accounts, and they expected that when they began charging that it would drive off a number of their people and uh, of their banking customers, and their, their CEOs on record saying, well, less people left than we thought would. So they're happy that they could charge some extra fees and have folks stick around. Um, and, and, of course, we see that. Uh, we've seen that with Wells and Bank of America trying to see what people are willing to tolerate. How much is too much before you go fleeing to the great service and low fees of your local bank? Uh, but anyway, so we'll we'll keep you guys tuned on those uh, the bank to do's and and this is the kind of thing though. So I I'm bringing this up from a from a standpoint of Dan. You mentioned that we have a little bit of a fragile economy still. Um, 
yeah, I agree with you. Couldn't agree with you more. I'm worried that banking profits have been so directly related to the windfall profits of mortgages that when we back that off by 20, 30, 40%, whatever it proves to be this month, um, and it's going to be a substantial figure, uh, that's going to take some money out of the bank's profits. And when you see the bank's profits begin to slip a little bit, God forbid any of them find their ways back into the black or into the red, um, then all of a sudden the financial sector that we fought so hard to make profitable again, if if we see that go, we may see their stock values slide. And when the financial stocks as a whole become questionable, then you may see some erosion in the Dow. That, to me, equals a pretty big um, concern of, of what these increased interest rates, the rapidness of these in, increased interest rates may do to the overall economy, not at all taking into effect what it may do to the value of real estate. Yeah, that's that's been a big story with the financial sector. They have been one of the um, the top performers oh, yeah. in the economy with the the support of our federal government. And all of the banks have reported pretty terrific earnings for the last several years. And it, it's in large part due to that boom in refinancing. Well, we've when seen. you can borrow for free and have uh, an ability to have a guaranteed buyer in the Fed, it sort of makes the waters pretty safe to want to play. Definitely. So we've had amazing profits from mortgages, and then we've seen they're just general trading activities in what I would describe as a pretty predictable environment. When you've got the government as a predictable buyer of certain securities and, and assets, it makes it a very favorable trading environment for these banks to operate in, and they've enjoyed this environment, and it's been a very profitable environment from them. Another big reason for the bank's earnings looking so so great these past few years is their cost cutting. They've done, I mean, they have shed thousands and thousands of jobs amongst all those big banks, Citigroup, um, U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo, B of A, they've all shed thousands of jobs and cut costs everywhere, closed branches, consolidated, done all kinds of things. They can only cut costs for so long before that comes out of the equation. And I think we're nearing the end of that. I haven't been into one of those big banks in a while because I would just assume cast myself off a cliff. But... <laughs> I was actually a member of Coast Hills, and, you know, I went to Coast Hills because, why did I go to Coast Hills? They were on Santa Rosa um, and whatever, Walnut? Peach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Olive. Olive. Is that Olive? No, I think Santa Rosa and Walnut. Walnut. I'm not sure. At any rate. Right by the freeway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They... Opened up a branch there, and I wanted to check it out. I'm always a fan of the local banks. At you know, at any given time, I generally have accounts that feels like most of the local banks. Mm-hmm. I had an account there, and uh, honestly, I was kind of digging it. They were on the verge of the corporate feel. A couple of their policies were a little bit unfamiliar, like you know, wanting to hold that check or something weird like that. Things that I just don't see at the other banks in town. Um, some staff that I really liked a lot. And then they moved, and they moved down onto Marsh. Mm-hmm. And I went in there to Marsh, and they were installing 
they installed these things, and they, they looked like a piece of machinery from the 60s. It uh, wasn't... The air too, tubes. Yeah, it wasn't fancy. It wasn't very welcoming. Uh, there was, a like, a payphone handle? I don't quite understand that. Um, mm. Like, I... I talk to my car while driving, and then I'm going into a new state-of-the-art bank in downtown Slow, and they want me to pick up this thing that other people are rubbing on their ear and mouth and put it on my ear and mouth. Um, and and bottom line is, you know, I'm getting to the point here, I had to put my deposit into a tube inside the branch and then put it in a thing and call a guy that I could darn near see if I stood back to the end of the clanky metal telephone rope. I could see the guy in the room there um, answering my call and receiving my tube, and he could serve the two of us at once because, of course, there was a second station there. Um, and so I stood there awkwardly, not knowing whether I was on hold or not with this phone thing, bizarrely waiting for just my like deposit to be completed. Um, and I decided uh, that that's so Coast Hills. I, I, <laughs> I couldn't bear wow. it another yeah. day. No, but I, I wrote a letter. I went in and I talked to the manager. I said, I, I, I simply won't do this anymore. Yeah. I see people at that counter over there that's for the business clients, and um, I wasn't yet convinced to be a business banker there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they said, no, you can't deal with people. You can use the phone thing with the money tube and all that and are they doing it to kind of cut down on the risk of being robbed i don't know possibly i don't know i don't know sounds kind of weird wasn't so then jason went back to b of a right no (laughs) yeah (laughs) no where'd you go um today i do my primary banking at heritage and i love banking at heritage it's super awesome they know me. They seem to know everybody. When you're in there, they they everyone that walks in is on a first name basis. Um, they have an app on their phone where I can do most of the things that you would want to do with a, you know, like a Wells Fargo app or something. Um, I can do everything that I need to do there. I love the the company, and I I don't have. Uh, there aren't really fees. If something ever does show up with a fee, uh, you can usually just talk to somebody and say, hey, that's weird. You guys charged me like a fee for this, and then they'll make it go away. Hmm. Couldn't be a bigger fan, actually. So this is you not ranting about using local banks? I only wish... No, that was before. (laughs) This is the second time we talked about this. I only wished... yeah, anyway, whatever. <laughs> All right. I, so I, we, I, I keep going on the bank thing. Yeah, I know Dude, you can. I, know I you can. can. Yeah. It's a sore spot for me. So we were talking about bank earnings and and how some of these banks really have been have been making their money these past few years in a favorable trading environment with a mortgage refinance boom occurring. Um, mortgage volume's just been amazing. We know that we're in the business. The um, the banks have enjoyed it. Everyone's in, everyone involved in mortgages enjoyed the huge mortgage boom. Um, refinancing's dying, and it's everyone in the mortgage world realizes that. That's why you're seeing some of these banks try to get ahead of the curve. We even saw one large lender go up, put itself up for sale, essentially. Um, 
So there's going to be some consolidation, I think, in banking. As these bank earnings have come out, a lot of them have beat expectations because of their mortgage units and their trading units. Um, but, you know, we're we're six to 12 months away from the Fed not being a guaranteed buyer, getting back to a little bit no, more of a normal market. Um, we're getting back to purchase loans where um, it's about relationships again. And I, I would say that probably the, the bank loan officers are – not as strong at the bank at, at the the relationships for purchase loan referrals. So I I really think they struggle in that environment mm-hmm. more so. And you know just not taking our word for it only. There's um, an article I I found this week um, where an analyst, an economic analyst from Raymond James, said that the bank revenues from mortgages and trading activities helped earnings this time around and. The past several years, those earn, those numbers are going to suffer through the end of the year, and um, and questions whether the economy can even grow and these bank earnings can continue to grow with the the slowdown in loan demand. So, the financial sector has really been one of the shining stars. I mean, remember back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, some of those bank stocks were. I mean, bad, 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 really bad. I I couldn't believe how low they were. In fact, um, I remember, I think it was City. Citigroup got below a dollar at one point or right down to a dollar. And now it's trading around 40 or 50 dollars a share. So the bank sector has really been a big driver of this rebound in the stock market. And so that's another reason why, you know, back to what we started the show with, will will stocks hit 17,000 by the end of the year? I really don't think so. I think that we could probably see a bit of a reversal in some of the stock figures for the financial sector as we get back to some normalcy. Um, the stock market right now just feels like it wants to be so high. People just want it to, they're just willing it there. In the face of news that, not worthy of raising the stock market it's it's been going up so crazy and um yeah the it i want to tell you like this this is this will be my prediction in terms of that 17,000 number if unemployment stays where it is and inflation stays where it is and the economy chops along, just grappling with this, our, getting our new legs about us, I think the Dow will hit 17,000. Because hmm. the, because the, the treasury, see, we're not gonna, then we're not gonna be able to taper. We're gonna be able to keep going with this buying. And each time that the buying sticks around a little bit longer and the feds make another statement that it's all about the data, not the dates. And you just got to stick with us here. Uh, you know, we're getting there. Hang in there. This is what's driving the Dow up. And when we take the stimulus out of the equation or at least begin to reduce it, that's when we're going to see the Dow come off of that. So if, if we see, the data remain just kind of chopping along in middle ground in in my opinion as it has been i do think we have potential to see this market that's acting i th- i think almost acting a fool um going to keep going up true story 
you gotta go, Jim. You gotta go back and and just dig out, you know, all the all the predictions on the show here that I make that just come true. I'm telling you, you all three of us could take the weekend off if we edited them all together. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, if we full two hours, probably probably we'd have to say eh, that one's not as good as a because we we would have too many. And you don't think it'd be brilliant? I think it'd be brilliant. <laughs> Hey, guys, 1044, um, we're going to go ahead and do a commercial break, take some time out to thank the sponsors. Thank you for listening. Um, hope that you'll uh, lend an ear to these guys that help make the show possible. These are businesses that we do believe in and that we um, do business with ourselves. So uh, we do believe in them. They're not just any old sponsor. Um, so take time out to listen. We'll be back in just a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars for a home purchase or refinance can be a stressful endeavor. And if you're like most Californians, you only get a home loan once every five years. That's why you need an experienced guide who knows the terrain and can carry the load of two mules. You need the Mortgage Sherpa, and he's only at Central Coast Lending. Let the Mortgage Sherpa lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. Thanks for being with us. I'm Jason Grody in the studio here with Dan Podesto. And uh, we are... We're getting into it. Um, you started a little while ago, Dan. You were saying that you, you started to become a believer in the middle of your reading, and then you flip-flopped like a campaigning politician there, and now I, I kind of getting the sense that maybe you're not totally um, believing that the recovery is on the pace that, that uh, perhaps Bernanke would want us to believe it's on. But let me just right. ask you this. If two-thirds of our economy, which, by the way, we called it two-thirds for a long time. Lately, I see it as 70% all the time. 
Okay, so it's it's more than two thirds now. It's seventy percent of the economy of our GDP is based on uh, retail sales, right? Consumption, and the consumption is so directly tied to consumer confidence, and consumer confidence. Um, isn't that what Bernanke is like trying to do as he comes out now? What feels like every other day to pat us on the head? Hey guys, we're doing great. We've made some substantial improvements. We're going to be making more. Um, they said what, what was said first, Dan? Uh, and, and Bernanke didn't say it just himself, but, uh, in September, as soon as September, they may begin, uh, tapering. Um, in which has now been termed the taper tantrum. You saw that, I'm sure. Um, so this is going to happen as soon as September-ish. I, uh, yeah. Come on. We're not. We're no nearer that today than we were a month ago when this started. Yeah, I I really don't think the average consumer cares what Ben Bernanke says or pays attention to what he's saying. I think the average consumer looks at things like their. Um, their retirement accounts, their value of their homes, the costs of goods, costs of gasoline, those are the things that affect their confidence. The things that they see on a daily basis um, or monthly basis as statements come out. Yeah, What, what I, I the bet. Fed is doing to interest rates, eh, I don't think the average consumer really cares. It's closer to just two things. <clears throat> value of their home. Three things. Value of your home. First of all, your job. Is your job secure, right? Value of your home. Value of your asset accounts. That's it. I People can so. get over paying a little bit more at the pump. <clears throat> Pay so a little more at the pump. Uh, you know, a little bit more for your lettuce. Uh, movies, 11 bucks a ticket now, whatever. At least, at least I'm rich because I still have a job. I still have my house that's going up in value, and my 401k is not shrinking anymore. Sure. Happy. So I th- I believe that a lot of the consumer confidence improvement that we've seen is directly tied to home prices. Because Which is directly jobs tied haven't to been rates? particularly stable. Um, wages haven't been going up. So it really I – mean, and, and IRA accounts haven't been – I guess some have been improving. If you stuck in the markets, you've you've seen some gains, but probably maybe just getting back to where you were. Um, it's home prices. Home prices have gone up a lot, which is great. Yeah. What well, What did you say about Southern California? Well, Southern California, we saw some statistics from DataQuick come out, and in Southern California, the six county region of Southern California, median sales price hit three hundred and eighty-five thousand. Um, Last month, it's the highest median price in five years. It was up year over year just under 30%, 28.3% increase year over year for Southern California. Obviously not a sustainable number. Um, it also might reflect a shift in what is selling, that, that more of the higher-end homes are starting to sell. Um, yeah, median's different than average. Yeah. Median is... You take a list of 50 and find, uh, you know, number 25 or 26. You stack them up from lowest to highest, right? They, and, you, and you find number 25 and number 26, and that's like your median. Average is you add up all 50 
and divide it by 50. So those numbers can be a little bit different. Um, if you just have more of the higher end units selling, that'll affect that median number. Yeah, and likewise, if you <clears throat> go through this slump where the entry level housing, uh, the really inexpensive stuff, and condos and manufactured homes and things like this are flying off the shelves, particularly with investors that have been um, gobbling these entry level homes up for the rent. Um, that would drag that median down. Also would drag the average down. But well, once you cleanse yourself of that, um, in that other section, which you know the realtors always talk about, is the move up buyer, the guy that does have the three hundred and fifty thousand dollar house that is now got a little bit of equity and is geared up to buy a five hundred thousand dollar house because he's ready to have you know the slightly nicer house in the newer neighborhood. So as that guy comes out to play. You there, you, you could be raising up the median price there. Well, for a while there, we had as much as 50% of units sold was distressed inventory. It was your short sales, your foreclosures, um, your deeds in lieu, your bank-owned properties. All those distressed sales were just flooding the market, and they were an overwhelming number of the units being sold, and most of those properties were just being offered at ridiculously low prices just to try to get them off the bank's books. The banks didn't want to own these properties. They just wanted to remedy the situation. They wanted to, you know, quantify their losses and move forward. So we saw a, a huge cleansing in the last three years of all these distressed properties. And now we've seen all the foreclosure statistics and short sale statistics plummet. They've fallen off completely and and it's do you know how many of my purchase loans right now by the way are short sale or foreclosure i'm going to guess zero none yep and that used to be 60 70 80% it's none in fact this week i prequalified some buyers um they're a little late to the game but they're a little bit younger they just have 2 years on the job now and have got some savings together they're ready to dance talking about looking for a short sale I kind of leaned back in my yeah. chair, and I was like... You and everyone else. That's <laughs> like a thing of the past, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I can't tell you the last time I heard of a short sale. So you see this statistic and, and other similar statistics where home prices are up, however many, you know, double-digit percents year over year. This is pretty extreme for Southern California to be up almost 30%. But what that is evidencing is... The number of the low-end, short-sale, distressed property type units are just gone. They're not part of the equation anymore. So now you have real sales that are the market, and and that is why the median price is so much higher. If you were to track a single home year over year, it would not have gone up by 30%. Yeah, but what does this 30% headline do to you as a consumer? It improves your confidence. That's what it does. To to the normal consumer, you see this and you think, oh, my gosh, my home is worth 30% more than it was last year. Yeah. I'm ready to get out there and sell. My, my $300,000 house is worth three ninety. Yeah, I'm feeling great. So th- it's that type of I'm gonna headline. I'm going to go buy some Whirlpool appliances. It's that type of headline that's improving confidence, but you're going to – you might see that person maybe think, oh, now's the time I, I can take my home to market and get what I want for it. They might be a little disappointed. Sure. It's not going to be 30% year over year. So it'll be interesting to see now that we've, for the 
we've gotten through the the biggest part of the distressed property inventory, and now I want to see what year over year from June of 2013 to June of 2014 that, looks like. I wonder if that statistic scares people, like would-be buyers. You really want to buy when you just read in the paper that it's gone up 30% year over year? I mean, do you think the average person is like, I'm going to get in on that, or they're going, oh, man. There's no way that's sustainable, and I'm going to be the idiot that buys and then gets clobbered. Yeah, hard to say. I, I don't know. I feel like I the average person number. wants to get in on it because that's what we had happened before. Sure. 30% I, a year. I Yeah, there's, there's two. And, and that's what a lot of the predictions are is that you know people want to get in before they feel like it's unattainable again. And part of that's the pricing of it's the interest home. Rates. And part of it's the interest rates. And it's, the forecast for interest uh, rates are just to continue to go higher. So there is a short-term outlook that we're going to see more purchase, more, more sales activity going on. Well, you heard it here first. Dan is on record now saying that these interest rates could really slow the housing economy down. <laughs> I, I do. This is what I've been trying to pin I, you down to because I'm arguing that the interest rates are going to hurt the bank's profits. They're going to cause massive layoffs and increases in unemployment rates increases in initial jobless claims. We're going to see loss of profitability in the banking sector. You'll see the funds that are financially based in the Dow will begin to struggle because of these higher interest rates. And at the same time, running in tandem, it may actually slow down the rate at which people are buying real estate because they're qualifying for less. It may lead to a little bit more inventory, and it may in turn trim back that appreciation to something of 1% or 2 or 3% a year that's not 30 And then in that case, people won't feel like, I better make this happen before it's too late, and that increased uh, supply and decreased demand equals um, a sort of an equilibrium in the market. And I'll tell you what we've learned about this stuff. Um, we're foot on the gas pedal or not, and we're in crisis if we're not. If we don't see these numbers every week going more positive, if they're just flat or, God forbid, declining, we freak out, and then it bleeds into the other three parts of the economy. We can't handle not growing. We can't handle not seeing increases. We can't handle seeing... Uh, any reason to believe that it's not the smartest thing in the world to do is to rush out and buy anything. I do agree with you that I, I do see the home sales market in the short term picking up as people try to catch this opportunity. But over the longer term, I do see the appreciation slowing down and the sales activity kind of slowing down. Huh. All right. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Guys, we got to take the top of the hour break. We'll be back in a few minutes with another hour of Mortgage Matters, and we do hope you stay with us.
All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's July 20th. It's 11.05. Uh, for whatever reason, Jim, that music made me think of the fair. The fair is going on, you guys. How uh, fun is that? Van Halen, Wednesday night. I cannot wait. Have you seen him before? Uh, yeah, I've seen him a couple times. Um, never with uh, David Lee Roth. Oh. I've only ever seen Van Hagar. Yeah. So I'm pretty that. excited to see uh, David Lee Roth play. You have to remind me to bring us back with Van Halen next time. Uh, uh, as you should, sir. There we go. Um, yeah, so the fair's going down. You guys ought to get up there and check it out. It's always fun. Um, and you know what? Kind of a good day for the fair. It's probably, I don't have the Paso Robles thing in my uh, iPhone. It's not supposed to get over 100. It's supposed to be in the 90s. Like 91 today is the mm-hmm. peaker in Atascadero. That is not too hot. Mm-hmm. You know those days you go to the fair and it's like 101? Mm-hmm. You just want to <laughs> yeah. get a deep fried Snickers and like a... I had the turkey leg. <laughs> I, did ha- I was there Wednesday, had the turkey leg. I saw. Awesome. Oh, okay. That's yeah. not that offensive. No, it's really good too. Uh, I, <laughs> however, have seen a lot of wild turkeys, and I've never seen legs that big. No, you know, those are like pit bull legs or something. Yeah. I think you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> I Thanks. don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's not that offensive. The turkey leg thing, other than the fact that you kind of walk around with it like a caveman, like tearing off meat, like with everyone. Yeah, it's kind of nasty, actually. I'm going to take it back. It's no, kind of nasty, Jim. It's good. They got those, like, tendons and the cartilage, and then there's, mm-hmm. like, a, the the ball joint that's in the end of those things. Okay. It's kind of gnarly. Now you're going to make me sick. But anyway, it was good. All right. I saw uh, <laughs> Fair Food's pretty impressive. You almost want to just go just to see what kind of crazy crap they figured out how to deep fry this year. Um, well, Twinkies are back, so maybe they're doing those. Deep fried Twinkies. Yeah. Um, I read the other day they're doing deep fried cream cheese, probably. Oh wow! That's <laughs> How do you do that? It's just somebody with a deep fryer, literally like walking through the grocery store, going, "We could fry that." <laughs> oh, I bet you we could fry that. <laughs> what do you think would happen if we deep fried Jiffy Pop? <laughs> uh, my favorite is the chocolate covered bacon, though. It's not deep fried, obviously, but that's uh, really good. I did a couple years ago. One of the people I was with bought chocolate covered bacon and and it's said, "You have to try this." And I took a bite of the chocolate covered bacon, and I was like, "Yeah, can't really go wrong." There's two things everybody seems to like: mm-hmm. bacon, bacon <laughs> and chocolate. I mean, except for vegetarians. But even my vegetarian friends, I'm always like, "But you still eat bacon, right?" <laughs> <laughs> everybody eats bacon. All right, all right. Let's get more serious here. Every now and again, we get going on banks or bacon. Yeah, just, yeah I can get sidetracked on both of those pretty completely. We've been pretty hard on the market. No, the market I was feeling here. bad a little yeah. bit. I was. I'm like over here. I'm over here feeling like we're kind of beating up on it. Um, Maybe taking the wind out of the sails. Maybe uh, maybe thinking that uh, maybe it's not all bad. Maybe the interest rates can go up by like a point in a week and everything will be okay. Well, you know what was good this week? Huh. Decent. 
was the unemployment claims numbers. That's that weekly number that comes out. Hang on. Before you say it, I just want to go back real quick and say you can't. It can't. Rates can't go up that fast and everything be okay. It can't. (laughs) I'm just telling you for a fact that it can't. I don't think people, you know, I think some, and probably even loyal listeners of our show hear our show and they go, oh, these guys, they talk about interest rates a lot and they talk about um, how busy things are or not a lot. Um, Check it out. It's crazy. It's so crazy when you think about the fact that refis are just making up 80% of the business on an average for the whole thing in a time where um, the purchase market got going gangbusters. Two, three months ago, still, refis trumped purchases uh, nearly tenfold. And the refis are like literally, at, at least if rates stay where they are, they're they're darn near gone. So... I, I kind of want to. I kind of do want to like give the economy a little hug and say it's going to be okay. But I'm telling you, rates going up that rapidly, just that rapidly, and that drastically. And I know people are. I know there's some people out there right now. Justin the rabbit ear is going. Is this guy serious? Four and a half percent, and he's whining about it. That's not my point. I have four and a half percent historically is a phenomenal rate. It's awesome. Uh, people would love to have that rate that can't get it. Um, there's those, uh, there's a million reasons why that's unbelievably great. The reef, I, we refied our nation, like so many people in the three and a quarter. Um, and we left out a pretty important half, the people that didn't have equity yet, <laughs> the self-employed people, the entrepreneurs of the group. All these other, there's so many people that um, would, did you bring the HARP numbers with you today? I did, yeah. HARP just was finally getting some legs. And HARP's probably, that that's the home affordable refinance program for the people that don't have the equity. Um, what was it, Dan? The was it three months ago that they announced the extension of HARP and then uh, an educational campaign? Uh, three years into the program, they decided to finally start trying to educate the public that this program exists. Um, and the numbers turned around a little bit. Those are dead now. I mean, people aren't going to keep harping loans where they have, uh, you know, going to have to get a, a 5% interest rate. They're, they were at 5%. I see parallels between this refinance boom and the bank numbers. I I guess rightfully so. They're all... The banks are going to tank, dude. They're they're very closely related. But you see what's going on here. With all the refinancing, it's an opportunity for households to cut costs. And what's made the banks so profitable, one of the the major components of the bank's profitability these last three years is cutting costs. At some point, you can't cut costs anymore. And for the consumer, that's when interest rates go up. There's no more opportunity to cut costs. So where's the the growth going to come from for the average household? Wages aren't going up. Where's the 
where's the growth going to come from that's going to spur consumer spending to heights that will get our GDP above 3% and really drive this economy? Where's the innovation that's, that's compelling people to spend money? Uh, we can't just keep coming out with a new iPhone and expecting it to drive our economy. We can't. No, you sold all your Apple stock, by the way, right? <laughs> I never was in it. Back when it was like 700. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, wish I had some to sell. I'm not positive that uh, I, I know the answer to that question. I, I just don't know. That's it, the thing when I look at the general economy. You know, I look at it for households and households. I just, you know, everybody's cut. Their payment, or you know, so many people have cut their payment, and the window for refinancing seems all but shut. Um, so, all the all the cost cutting has been done. So, where is the consumer going to find this inspiration to spend more? Our consumer spending numbers are are pretty weak. In fact, they were so weak that economists are starting to believe that the the second quarter GDP. Um, reading is going to be below 1%. We already saw it on the most recent um, forecast cut from 2.4% to one8 Now they're thinking at the next reading it might go down below 1%. Um, where's the consumer? Where, where are they going to find the growth in income to come out and start spending money? Or where's the... Where's the innovation that's going to provide the jobs, I don't that's know. going to provide the incomes for people to get out of I don't know how to answer that question to you. Um, as you well know, my household's on a budget, and um, I guess most people are. Whether or not you track well where the money's going and what your priorities are, and I'll tell you what the things that we wrestle with are. Um, typically... Healthcare costs, and, and not, I'm not talking just about premium, but like things that pop up, stitches or concussions, braces being sheared off into gums, things like this, where I have a lot of those kind of wild cards in my life because of the age of the kids and their athletic nature. Um, they're risk takers. That's a piece for me for sure. Gas is another significant one, and I feel it more in my household in the summertime because the kids are out of school and they're going different places. And they've, like, my wife's found a, she's done a reasonably good job at figuring out the um, kind of inexpensive or free things to do around the county, but it all relies on gas. And so we spend more on gas in these months. Um, we also seem to spend more on groceries, and I'm gonna I'm gonna argue here that this has been one of the bigger um, things that we're wrestling with in our household is um, the cost of eating, especially. And I recognize that it's kind of like first world problems or however you want to couch it, but we're trying to be conscientious of not eating the GMOs. We're trying to eat organic. We're trying to eat. Um, you know, some free-range type of meats, and and that's impossibly expensive. It's so much money for a family of five. I mean, I know that you're, Dan, you guys are doing at least going for similar things in your household. It's more expensive. I mean, let's be, let's be <laughs> yep. real about this. You can buy rice-a-roni at Walmart for like 50 cents. Um, if you want to make a whole foods meal at home, there is no part of that that's 50 cents. So for me, we're grappling with um, 
making healthy decisions at home in terms of food, and it's so expensive how how much that is. And so I look at this stuff to the average household, um, and I think that that's probably what, that's probably where, where average people are. Um, your income kind of is what it is. You got to figure out how to live within it and meet your objectives. And healthcare and gas and food seem to keep going up beyond control, and the wages certainly aren't going up. So, um, where am I going to come out swinging? You know, the other thing too that's hard to register in any of these deals here. Um, I buy stuff on Craigslist all the time, dude. It's cheaper. You gotta do, uh, you gotta go buy yourself a new lawnmower. Yeah, you can go to Home Depot and support the big box store and spend 400 bucks. You go on Craigslist, get one for 50 bucks, 80 bucks. That ain't getting registered in the GDP. So, you know, I, I do, I think it's that that's probably the deal is if you feel more pinched, you get more resourceful, but, um, I don't know where are where are this extra funds going to come from that we need to get our GDP back above three. I think we used to rely on population growth. You know, we used to rely on just having more people that need more things to drive our growth. Yeah. In without without some major innovation driving driving growth, um, we we just have more people that needed things. So that that alone could drive the growth. But we're you know, as as our country becomes more, I mean, I mean, we're industrialized, we're sophisticated. It's kind of the natural evolution of of a society to stop having babies at the same pace that you were before. So that's kind of where we're at now. Now we're not having the population growth that's driving it. We're not having the innovation. Um, it's. I wonder if we're just. If we have false expectations of what real growth in our country can be um, after we stop propping everything up with with federal dollars, you know what is three percent GDP growth a, a realistic, sustainable number? Is is one percent the new norm? Should we start basing our our reality on that? It's hard to tell because we won't let you things just equalize and because and move in forward. this great capitalist experiment that that we're running here in the U.S. By the way, it has a, a relatively short history here of a couple hundred years. Um, the primary tenet here is that you must be growing. If you're stagnant or shrinking, you are in severe danger. So it's not an option to figure out how to live within our means and and just cruise happily along at the midline. That's not an option. Ben Bernanke spent two days this week and several days last week and a few weeks ago before that um, trying to tell us what their plan is for getting our economy back on track after they're done spending $85 billion a month. Um and this week, he let everyone know that we're focused on Main Street. The question was, you know, all this stimulus has helped big corporations, but it hasn't helped the middle class. So what's the plan for getting the middle class back on track, which will help consumer spending, which will get, get our, our general economy back on track? And he says we're focused on Main Street. 
We're trying to create jobs. We're trying to make housing affordable. Okay. How? Yeah, exactly. How? Keeping interest rates low artificially isn't going to create jobs. I don't. I just don't see it. I don't see the correlation. Well, it's created a a lot of jobs in the banking sector because they've got such a crazy influx of uh, really low-rated refinances. Um, it's also now creating jobs in the real estate market, and, and as we see construction. Um, those numbers beginning to nose up. We know now that people are dusting off those boots. And, um, yeah, I, you could argue that. And, and, and so we're going to be an economy. We're going to be an economy totally based on housing. We are always, aren't we? I, I mean, what else is there? There used to be technology. Oh, man, you used <laughs> to need your hair cut for eight bucks a rip from, you know, the the hair cutter there was a lot of things like that but no i don't i think it our our economy at this point is simply about housing if it's not about the goods or appliances or wares or whatever that you're putting into your house or the loan or the house remodel or the you know the satellite tv or the whatever you got going on it's all about the house that that's all i can that's all i can come up with if, and if it's not about the house it's about healthcare Finally, someone else wants to weigh in here. Probably just calling to say you're wrong. <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> We've got Sherry calling from Paso Robles. Welcome to the show, hi. Sherry. Hi, guys. Hi there. Very, very uh, interesting conversation and very pertinent to the time. Uh, you're asking a lot of really, really great questions. I happen to be a long-term uh, real estate investor, and I wondered if either one of you um, – Know about or know much about Glass-Steagall? Yeah, I mean, it probably not as much as you. Actually, I I don't know that much about it, but I'm learning about it. And uh, I just, because of what you just brought up of Bernanke, uh, he has made statements recently that he's backing Dodd-Frank all the way. I have extreme concerns about that. And what you just mentioned, I have a con- extreme concerns about uh, the Fed re- pretty much regulating um, the market. It's it's not like a free market like it used to be 20 years ago. That's so right. I, it's a great conversation. I appreciate you really addressing the issues. Um and I, I would just I'm going to be checking into Glass Steagall. I know there's a huge movement to get that back. It sounds reasonable to me because whatever we're doing really has not it, it's not I don't think it's gonna work for very long. I think the wheels are gonna come off. So I appreciate your conversation and bringing this to light and I just I just wanted to uh, you know mention Glass-Steagall, and maybe it's something that we should look into. Thanks, Sherry. Appreciate the call. I do see a lot of headlines, a lot of blogs, a lot of people talking about a new Glass-Steagall for the 21st century that needs to be implemented. Um, I I personally do feel like um, we need a new plan. I'm not positive what it's going to be at this point. That's why it's hard for me to be too critical of what the government and feds have done already. Um, because I don't know what the other, I, I feel like you're, you shouldn't really address the problem unless you understand are going to be part of what the solution is. I have no idea, but, um, 
interestingly enough, I, I do think that we're kind of, we're back in a limbo spot here again. Um, yeah. A lot of people, there's been a lot of chatter about maybe blaming the financial crisis on the repealing of Black Glass-Steagall, you know, which separates the commercial banking from some of the investment banking things. And perhaps that separation is necessary to keep a healthier economy that can't, but, you know, we've we've talked about it in the form of too big to fail, and we don't seem to have made any progress with respect to that. Um, it's something that we should probably discuss here a little more, but we do have a couple callers waiting, so let's take the phone calls um, while they're waiting patiently on the line. We've got Don calling in from Morro Bay. Hey, guys, how are you? Pretty good. good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, I'm 58 years old. Since I was about 20, my hobbies and interests have sort of been uh, – watching economy and politics and the big picture and uh, kind of jotted down some notes I'd like to read and then you guys can absorb it and let me know what you know. Sounds okay. great. Okay. Um, first of all, I don't believe there's any recovery. We are transitioning to a, a global economy. Um, the city that won World War II filed bankruptcy yesterday. The USA was something like 60% of the world manufacturing at one time. That was sort of a miracle of history. Um, the good old USA has become the globe without the freedom. Our governments do not represent the people. They're controlled by the so-called 1% wealthy stockholders and city, county, state, and federal unions. The Democrats both, uh, having both, are winning and bringing a sort of socialistic control. Uh, follow the dollars. Wow, that's a what you said. That's twenty years worth of uh, following along and paying attention here. Yeah, for some reason I've just been interested in the whole big picture, mostly the U.S. And then when it became global, then I just kind of you know look at the whole thing: what what governments do, what people do, what the rich do. Um, I I have, interestingly enough, hearing you read through your list of notes there, uh, we share a lot of views. Um, I think most of those are, are things that I would describe just the same way myself. And um, and sometimes I wonder if the people that are running this country and perhaps even the global economy, as I, I, it kind of appears to me that we're heading there too, um, they must know something we don't know. It can't be that simple, right? I mean, laymen from the street here can't figure out uh, what these issues are and, and, and really simplify them down to that level and that truly be the course, right? I mean, these people are significantly smarter than we are, right? I think that's the mistake that's made. <laughs> they think that those guys know better, but it's just all about dollars. Special and interest it, and, and it, you know, And you know the, the saying, keep it simple? Yep. It's, you know, it's always, uh, good to usually set back from something, and you probably do this in your business where you step back and you, and you look simply at it, and sometimes the, the, the remedy comes. Definitely. Yeah. Hey, Don, thanks so much for your call today. I, I really appreciate it and the insight. That's great. Can I add a, a, a little statement? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, two things. I think we can still have a revolution at the ballot box. I don't have a lot of faith in that. Um, but the true remedy is America needs to go back to church. 
I believe the one true God, Father, Son, and Spirit still controls all things, and I believe that we're reaping what we've sown. Thanks a lot, Don. We appreciate you listening and calling in, sharing your thoughts with us. Um, I there's there's definitely some some things I agree with there, um, especially when you talk about the world economy, and I I really think that that's that's where we're at. We're a global economy. We're no longer dependent on our own spending all the time. And um, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. And I, I didn't feel like that was a real optimistic view of where we're going with our, with our economy. I like, I do really like to think though, that we, um, that, that we probably do have the uh, ability to, change the course i do um sometimes i just don't know what what to separate though like i read about the um the the government's debt our debt i guess i should say and how it's just simply impossible you you it is there's no circumstance in which we can um make good on the debt not possible and I look at that and I go, Ooh, that's pretty freaky, man. Should we just like get our guns and clean water together now? Or are we in for just like horrific, terrible things? Um, would the government throw trillion on top of trillion on top of trillion knowing that they were burying themselves? Um, some part of me kind of like, yeah, because if you're if you're going to tank unless you intervene and maybe make tomorrow worse in an effort to save today would you go to every extreme measure to keep keep the house of cards up today uh i think you would i think most people do um i was sharing a story yesterday with a um a friend of mine about one of the local lenders that's um in jail now and and I knew the story um, personally of this person that's um, in jail now, and I understood how it happened. And without condoning any of the behavior at all, in in retrospect, I see how um, kind of blur the line a little bit between right and wrong. Maybe maybe the ethics um, definitely getting into issues that prove later to be illegal, but. And in the um, when these decisions are being made, in the interest of self-preservation, all you can do is um, whatever resources you have, throw them at solving this problem because otherwise you're 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 screwed anyway. And I, and it's hard for me to know that this person um, I know out of total desperation did things that they wouldn't otherwise have done and ultimately paid the biggest price that you can pay. Um, so would at a bigger scale would our government do that? I mean, if we were literally going to collapse four years ago and come into like a a status of just a destroyed economy without power being on to homes and every financial institution in the country destroyed and out of business. By the way, the people that drafted um, the TARP plan would have you believe that's exactly what we were going what we were in for if we just let the free market play um, would you throw 15 trillion to keep that from happening knowing that you could never pay it back and that 
uh, form of punishment was coming later and you'd figure out how to deal with that then is that I mean I I look at that and I go surely these people that are running the country are smarter than we are um and then at the end of it you know I'm kind of like oh maybe they're not um maybe we are like the special interest and you know <laughs> we're like on a crash course for like a brutal reality check um but then just my Faith in humanity is that no, we're we're more resilient than that. America is a better country than that. We're going to figure it out. Um, and it, honestly, it's one of the reasons why I like to do the show. I want to create more awareness. I want people to want to be interested in these things, and I want people to want to go on to to align their politics in ways that um, follow their views on how decisions about these things should be made, not just voting. Uh, you know, for the pretty smile or the clever graphic, um, the fun campaign that somehow all these guys always come up with. I wish people would say, you know, I, I vote across party lines because these are the things that I've deemed are important to myself. And, um, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I think people yeah. can do that. I think we can restore it to that. I just hope that we don't have to bounce off of the bottom before we wake up and realize that. Yeah, I agree. I I do think people have a lot of power when it comes to their vote if they realize it. Um, with respect to the economy, you know, I wonder we did see a major happen. We've seen it with with smaller cities like Stockton and and things like that, where cities have filed for bankruptcy. Now we see it with Detroit. Um, could that be the plan? You know, should our fifteen trillion dollar experiment fail with our our debt bomb, if that fails, could the, the country as a whole just file for bankruptcy and hit the reset button? Is that the is that the fail-safe plan? Is that a good plan? Is it even possible? I mean, sure. what's the worst that happens? You have you have bad credit as a country? Oh, is yeah. Is that that big of but, a deal? But, yeah, because <laughs> then, then when you can't borrow, I mean, that's when, like, a cup of coffee becomes a trillion dollars. And, um, yeah, I mean, you... Everything just goes through the roof. No one wants to loan you any money. Nobody believes you. I, can, do you we're think the China? We're the consumers of the world. So is China going to allow us to just hit the reset button on them without um, blowing us up, wanting to kill us? I mean, could you imagine? It's more complicated than that. I don't think that's. I don't think at all that that's the game plan. I really don't. I don't think it's the game plan, but is it the... You monkey it, around long enough, though, and lose your uh, status as the world's reserve currency. That would be a problem. And I don't know that we're too terribly far away from that. It's definitely been threatened. We should probably take a break here. We've yeah, we've, we've flown past time. a normal break time. Um, we've got about 25 minutes or so left on the show. I know I've got one caller who's waiting on the line. We will get to your call, so hang on patiently. Um, if anyone else would like to weigh in, it's it seems like open mic time. You know, we're just kind of sitting here talking, sharing thoughts. Um, you can weigh in at five four three eight eight three zero five four three eight eight three zero. Stick around for more mortgage matters. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. 
called him at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or a savvy real estate investor, there's no denying that now is a great time to buy. We pride ourselves in offering every loan program at the lowest interest rate and the lowest fees. FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, we do it all. Let Central Coast Lending do your next purchase. Your loan will close on time and on budget with no last-minute surprises. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. Oh, just like uh, in this tailspin of negative uh, thought. And thanks for the Van Halen, by the way. Yeah, it wasn't David a waste Lee Roth on me. singing the lead vocals here. Dan and I are having this conversation during the break about what if we just, the country's plan was just to tank. I could see how they could do it. We should make a movie. Dude, let's write the script. Yeah. About America going bankrupt. And it, it'll be like an action drama, too. We'll like. We'll sabotage a president and then rewrite the Constitution, and it'll be good. You have Congleton as a consultant. Probably get He's that a big one old guy. Movie writer now. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Brad Pitt. We'll get Brad Pitt. <laughs> Bob has been waiting so patiently um, through the break, so we're going to take his phone call now. Bob's calling in from Los Osos. Welcome to the show, Bob. Hi. Good morning. I've been listening to your show all morning, and like you just said, it sounds like the it sounds like the economy is just going down the tubes. What do we have? What can we do, either as a people or as a government or what, to improve things? In your opinion, uh, I really I think, in my opinion, um, what we could do here, first of all. We got to remember that um, most of this stuff can be controlled for us. At least we can insulate ourselves more by by being more local. I think we need to make things here. Is that where you're saying yeah. by being local? Yeah, I think we need to um, encourage our youth to learn trades, have a a business sense, gear up people to be able. Um, you know, for example, uh, we can have. 
gardens and chickens and in some cases here locally graze cattle. I mean, there's a lot of things like that we could do. We can bank locally. We can do a lot to, to support the local economy and do things locally, I think, to make sure that we aren't just along for the ride with the the country as a whole. I, I really think that there's more to that. And the other thing I think is is just – Figuring out which of the issues are important to you. I have some friends that seem to only care about food. They want to talk about GMO and Monsanto and all these food-related things all the time. That's all they care about. Um, awesome. That That's something that, that you are passionate about. Figure out how to align yourself with the right organizations and, and ultimately be able to vote and elect officials that are going to be helping in in those respects. Um, I, I kind of really honestly feel like the average person is just complacent. They don't believe that banking at Bank of America is a problem. They don't believe that um, choosing to go buy everything for their household from Walmart is a problem. They don't believe that, um, you know, just the consumption of the uh, the masses is, is just the problem. Um, you know, so they're just along for the ride. I just got to go to work tomorrow and then get home and play on my iPad and uh, find something fun to do until I have to go back to work again. And it wouldn't be a problem if the big corporations that, you know, we, we demonize, if they played fair and kept their operations on U.S. soil and paid their U.S. taxes and did all that, but they have all these games they can play where they park money off shore and, and don't support our country to the fullest extent they could. So I feel it's that more bringing things back back home. And part of me worries that that kind of sounds like isolationist or a little, you know, and that's, I, I think, like a bad word sometimes. But I don't know if it is that bad. What do you think? I feel like that was kind of a loaded question, Bob. Um, not really. I, 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 I just kind of, I felt like there was no answer um, originally. But I, I see your point now about the large corporations going outsourcing instead of playing back here and, and like you said, playing by the rules. If they uh, kept their, their operating taxes, I mean, I, I understand we have a um, we have a lot of people that are, are coming into the country that don't have money. That, uh, for instance, in the healthcare industry that we have to pay for as a middle class, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and if if these big corporations, like I'm just thinking of some of the things where like, you know, the stuff that you buy, it's made in China, it's made over, it's made in all these other countries, but here, imagine all the jobs that could be created. I mean, we wouldn't have an unemployment problem if there was more manufacturing here, and yeah, those aren't always the highest paying jobs, but it's better than no jobs. And there's 12 million people out looking for a job, any kind of <laughs> or job, or a right second now. job, or a second job, and. So I think that would be a big, a big thing for the economy. You yeah, know, getting yeah, back to would. making things. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for Bob. calling, in, Bob. Appreciate okay. you. Oh yeah, I like I said before, I get troubled with um, belly aching severely about the problem when I'm not sure that I know what the solution is. But I do. I think uh, to me, the biggest solution is. Every single person, every single citizen of this country should be more aware of the things that impact them. And, you know, you want to – the root of every problem is at the money, right? So if if you're – if you 
really are paying attention in this dialogue, um, your dollar ultimately is your vote. Yeah, I was going to say, you you earlier were talking about voting as far as like your elected officials sure. and things like that. That's an important part. But I think more important is your do- how you spend your, your money dollar. because that's what all these – Huge corporations want at the end of the day is your dollar, and so that's how you vote every single day um, for for what you believe in is by where you spend. Yeah, and uh, and people should want to make those decisions count. To say, I you know I I'm not I'm not interested in banking at Bank of America where. Um, my dough is getting piped out so far away, and where they have my appraisals reviewed in India, you know, <laughs> that's creating yeah. jobs in India. And <laughs> oh, d- just as a consumer, you you have, I think, you just have to have some kind of responsibility to where it is you're buying these things and and what you're, um, what you're supporting. I mean, we talk about you know supporting terror and these kind of things. I really do think that when you are just flagrantly throwing the money around um, without caring where those profits are going, it, it kind of, it, to me it's it's akin to supporting terror. And I I do I think every consumer should be more aware of what their vote, their real true vote, but probably equally importantly, their dollar is also their vote. You know, you don't like. You don't like seeing um, the pictures of like those. Have you seen the? Is it? Are they the Chinese tilapia farms? I think so. Did you see that recently? It's crazy, crazy. Um, the food standards. Now we're importing all kinds of food from uh, over the ocean in places where they're not growing and handling food in ways that um, we deem safe here. Because you know what? It's more expensive here. You, you gotta, you gotta separate the like human fecal matter and not allow that to be fertilizer on the um, consumable produce. Hey, there's other parts of the world where you don't have to, and that's a lot cheaper. They don't have to pay for a sewer. They use that over there on uh, the fields as fertilizer. There's literally things like that that are happening that are horrifying, and. Um, We'd gobble it up, man. I see these commercials um, on TV for Walmart produce. We went and switched out this local produce stand for these uh, fresh Walmart uh, produce here and see how it tastes. And all this, and and then you go go and check out produce in Walmart. You won't find anything in Walmart that was grown in the USA. And and they're they're selling that here in San Luis Obispo County. We have like the best agricultural uh, resources around us anywhere, and um, I mean, California basically supports this country agriculture or has the ability to, and and we're importing these crap goods from another country so that we can save thirty cents on a banana. It's bizarre, but hey, it's how we do because that's what our people want, and and obviously they do. That's what we buy. I don't know what they actually do. I'm sorry, Jason, but if you walk into, like, Walmart, you notice you're paying per banana. 
like yeah, sure. you know, like a pound of bananas in some stores, but you're paying per banana in Walmart. Yeah, but people really think saving. that because it's in Walmart, it's cheaper than anywhere else. I don't know if that it's true. Um, you know, at my, I have a family of five, and like I was telling you, we, we're trying to be real careful about the quality of food that we feed our family. You know where we shop? The farmer's market, man. I, and if you go into the Albertsons mm. where a head of cauliflower might be 3 or $4, I can get that at the farmer's market for a buck fifty. Yeah, I know. I, I've actually been shopping at Avalon Valley Barn a lot. There you go. And it's like... Uh, and it's not you as think convenient. it's going to be more expensive, but sometimes it's not. No, yeah, that's the thing. You know? It's not as it's convenient. Really, yeah. Because you kind of got to plan ahead. Yeah, and exactly. if it conflicts with something else, like if you're going to slow on Thursday night, mm-hmm. if it, you know, you got to hang out after work and go kind of fight a little crowd to get some grub. Same thing, like the Templeton one on Saturday. Um, there's different farmers markets. That one in Baywood's ridiculous. That's the most, that's one of the things I miss the most about living in Los Osos. That Baywood farmers market's unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not quite as convenient because you don't just get to walk down there any old day and get it. You got to plan it. Um, but if it's important to you, why wouldn't you plan it? Why wouldn't you make that your priority that you're going to be able to, to go do that? And I just, I don't think enough people care. I really don't. I wish they did. Cause that, that's the answer to Bob's question. People taking personal responsibility uh, for issues they deem important and not just going for convenience, right? Got another phone call here? All right. <laughs> I I feel I feel a little bit um I almost feel emotional about the conversation today cuz oftentimes we're we're you know we're talking about just the facts and what's good or what's bad and um today I feel like I it's my desire to uh appeal to some more people i want to i want to encourage people to to go and make those decisions responsibly use your dollar as your vote got a repeat caller got don calling back from morro bay welcome back hey guys nobody's calling and i thought i'd call in again with some practical proactive remedies all right yeah (laughs) well you were talking about isolationism a lot of people call it protectionism uh the the powers that are in control now use those as dirty words and and fool the people. So here are some remedies. We have a minimum wage here. We protect our people. Um, uh, Ron Reagan, uh, back when he was president, put tariffs on Honda to save Harley Davidson. Um, if we have a minimum wage and Chinese, the Chinese are paying their employees, for instance, uh, a minuscule percentage, of course they can produce goods, ship them over here, sell them for what we can't afford to build them for. We ought to tariff that and make it um, uh, a fair market. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. We did a good, good minimum wage conversation on the show before, and um, uh, it wasn't. it really actually wasn't a popular one. You know, there's another idea, too, um, some kind of limit on business, either size or employees, et cetera, uh, that would bring Ma and Pa back. And you Imagine, think that's that Glass-Steagall of the 21st century that's getting talked about? You know, I'm not real familiar that's with that. That's specific to just banking. But, my thought is, is imagine the Home Depot employees or the Walmart employees owning their departments. Huh. That'd be pretty wild. 
It would. I think that the truly, I think the forefathers, uh, uh, that was their intent to protect um, the American with uh, the antitrust laws. Um, we have monopolies now. That's not supposed to be legal. These big box stores are monopolies, and, and it'd be great for mom and pops to call in and say, yeah, I lost my business, and, and hear from all them, and it'd be great to see them back in business. Yeah, you're right about that. And you know, you know one of the things that's a little bit disappointing, though? Um, you know, Dan and I both graduated from Cal Poly. I didn't know Dan when he was in school. Um, but since then, um, we worked together at two companies. Um, three we, now. This is the third now that we own together. Um, had experience in other businesses as well. I've had the distinct pleasure of, um, having a, a pretty successful career. I would guess that I've, uh, between interviewing, hiring, and training, I've had the pleasure of um, management in one capacity or another over several hundred people. Um, and by and large, I see some of these same problems in the workers, though. So many people are disenfranchised. They're not, they're not there to be all that they can be at work either. They're there to just get by. Um, and, and I don't, that's that same thing I'm talking about, that mediocrity that, uh, I think has people just flagrantly wasting their dollars on things that, um, they could have a better opinion over seeing the value and believing they could make a difference. Um, are, is the average person capable of that kind of greatness that you're talking about where a, a department within a store would be owned by those um, people that are in there, do enough people care? Well, I think that lack of opportunity highly contributes to that attitude. I know of five cabinet shops in our county, and our county isn't doing that bad compared to a lot of the rest of the country in California. Five cabinet shops have gone out of business. I was in Home Depot last week, and their kitchen and bath, their cabinet department, had somewhere around 100 different bids and jobs in the hopper right now. Huh. There you go. There's no opportunity. It, you can't compete with uh, with China and Brazil and, and Mexico yeah, and but Canada. You know, and I heard yesterday we now have the highest corporate tax rate in the world. But, Don, we were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, and, and Dan and I talked about it during the break. I was giving him the, um, my opinion about the Walmart goods. Um, Home Depot, so-so, but like at Walmart, you can go buy yourself a t-shirt at Walmart for, I don't know, probably four bucks. Uh, it'll, it'll break down in the washing machine and last really only for a few months. If you go to, um, a, a store where you're going to buy a higher quality goods that, um, are going to last years on end, then you're going to pay, uh, not, if it may last tenfold in its life, but it's not necessarily tenfold in cost. Um, the cabinet stuff that they're selling from Home Depot, um, the, when are the consumers going to wake up and realize that, hey, you went with the lowest bidder and you got junk? You got cut-rate junk and you got cut-rate labor, and everything about what you did is um, wasn't wasn't great uh consumerism i mean we're we tolerate that now more than anything and i i recognize that 
um, as like my, my wife and I made that transition from being college kids into you know having a house with some more long term kind of uh, furniture and stuff. You can buy junk furniture from like Walmart or IKEA for like eighty dollars. And the, the junk breaks after the veneer scratches through to some particle board or just some real junk stuff. Um, or you can spend a little bit more and get some nice stuff that may, you know, that you'll get to give to your kids later. Um, we have to realize that as consumers and not buy that junk. Well, again, the economy and the, uh, the, uh, layoffs and the lack of, of ability to buy contributes to you buying that. Four dollar shirt because it's the only thing you can afford right, right now. Yep, it's a it's a pretty scary uh, uh, tailspin that you get in quickly. Don, we're we're out of time on the show here today. Thanks, thank you for calling back and and thanks for participating in the show. Um, boy, how do you close out a show like today, Dan? You see, uh, you look you look exhausted. Too. I do. I uh, that was kind of a downer. Kind of a downer show, but it was. It felt real, like a, a a real conversation that needs to be had by not just us, but by everyone. We need to support each other. Um, otherwise, we're not going to recover from our debt problems and our our problems. Yeah. I don't know. I'm down. You are now. It's all okay, Jim. Do you have like clips of like uh, puppy dogs like? Given that cool bark or whatever, something to, a palate cleanser for everyone, since we just like bummed out a Saturday. <laughs> no, I, I challenge everybody that we may have bummed out today to uh, translate the energy into. Um, think about this tomorrow as you go out and, and uh, or today as you go out and conduct business. Where are you shopping? Where are that money going? Um, when you go to the bank, um, are you pleased with the bank or do you just tolerate poor treatment because that's a terrible dog? I can um, only find a cow. We're, by the way, we're 30 seconds out. So. Uh, where you, are you tolerating banking behavior because it's too hard to move or any of those kind of cop outs? Take a little bit more accountability for yourself and, uh, make some better decisions. Believe in your dollar as a vote. Thanks for being with us today. Next week, we'll sure try to bring a cheerier spirit, and, and we'll seek out this week the better news. Uh, visit us on the web this week. We're centralcoastlending.com, or give us a call if you need any help. We're 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. Thanks again. We sure appreciate you.